Let's try that. Good morning, everybody. I am so glad to be joining today. I made the number one senior pastor mistake that uh, almost everybody makes is I forgot to unmute my mic. But uh, anyway, I hope you're doing really well. And uh, it's so exciting uh, for, uh, for, for us to be talking about EQ3 this week. Um, EQ3 is just a significant thing. Today, we're going to be talking about what it is to grow what it is to be growing in life, growing in God. <clears throat> the second thing that we're gonna be talking about is, um, is uh, what it is to have sound doctrine. So doctrine that um, uh, our belief systems, what it is to, uh, to have a good belief system around our life. And the third thing, it is about raising up leaders because there is, believe it or not, there is leadership on everybody's life. John Maxwell says it this way. He says, leadership is influence and we all influence someone else in some way. It could be our neighbour, could be somebody who we, you know, meet at the bus stop. We always influence somebody. And so what I want to highlight for you is that we would be influencing somebody in the right direction. We can't do that unless we've got sound doctrine and we can't do that unless we're committed to growing as people. And so we're going to be talking about a big word. It starts with D. Let me see if you can guess it. D. It starts with D. Donuts. No, it's not donuts. Um, I, I wish it was donuts. Um, no, I wish, I really wish it was dictionary. No, it is discipleship. You can write that in the, in the uh, chat box right now. You can write that in. I think that'd be uh, really, really good. Donuts, Sam. No, it's not donuts. But we're going to be talking about the, the importance of discipleship. So again, I want you to know that Equip 3 will help you grow in your next steps and your relationship with God, but also with other people, all right? And so that's how important Equip 3 is to each and every single person. Secondly, uh, I want you to know that you're invited to become a disciple of Jesus. You know, that's just so important. To become a disciple of Jesus means that you are a follower, follower of what he says, what he does. And so uh, that's whom we aim to reflect here at Manningham Christian Centre. We don't always get it right, uh, like, you and, like you and I. We don't always get it right, um, but that is our goal. That is our aim. So way back when, way back when, everybody say way back when. Way back when. I can hear you. That's good. So way back when, when there were first, before people were called Christians. So as we would go through the history of the world, before there was people called Christians, they were actually called disciples. Disciples. And so disciples were important. Disciples were uh, followers of a certain teacher or rabbi. Now, rabbi is just another word for teacher. And so um, the disciple in the original Hebrew uh, was actually called limud, if you can say that, limud. And it's not limit, limud, all right? Um, and that's the adjective, adjective for uh, being a disciple. And, and that means a taught one. So if you were a limud, you were a taught one. You're one who is being taught something. The, the, the verb of uh, the original Hebrew, Hebrew is lamad. If you can say lamad. 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 
Excellent. So we're all 101 Bible College students right now. You've learned all there is to learn about Hebrew. No, there is a lot more to learn about that. But I just want you to remember these. It's important that we come back to the, um, the, the, the uh, original meaning and the original understanding that actually assists us and helps us. So limad is the adjective for taught one, or lamad is the verb um, to learn, to learn, what it is to learn, right? So when mo- most people think about disciples in the Bible, the first thing that comes to mind is obviously the 12 disciples of Jesus. Now, uh, I'm going to list them all because sometimes some of them don't even get a mention. We know Matthew, we know Mark, we know Luke, we know John because they all wrote books of the Bible. But what about the rest of them? Let's learn their names at the moment. So there's Simon Peter, there's Andrew, there's uh, John and James, who were the sons of Zebedee. There was Matthew, great name that one, Matthew, Thomas, Philip, Bartholomew. There was James, who was the son of Alphaeus. There was Thaddeus, or Judas, son of James. And uh, then there was, who's not Judas Iscariot, uh, there was Simon the Zealot, which means he was, uh, he was a... Um, um, he was a warrior for the things of, uh, of the word. And there was, of course, Judas Iscariot. He always just gets bumped down to the bottom of the list, probably for good reason. But, um, but uh, Judas Iscariot. So these were the core followers of Jesus. They were the limited. They were the taught ones. They were the disciples. Now, understand this. What we now call, or the world calls Christians today, is um, is is truth but christians today really can mean lots of different things they can be somebody who um, could be a catholic or a protestant or they could associate themselves with a completely different uh, um, uh, uh, you know denomination whereas back in these days christians were disciples of jesus christians were disciples of Jesus. Now, I'm not saying all those other denominations are not disciples of Jesus, but what I want to come back to is this very core value, this very core understanding that you and I both can have, this very true foundation that Christians were disciples, disciples and followers of Jesus Christ. So they did what he did, they went where he went, they did what he asked them to do, etc. Right? So, Often uh, we, um, we think of uh, disciples as, you know, those, the, the 12, but also disciples um, uh, like his closest students. And uh, they weren't only in his, his students. There were actually a lot more than those 12. And in fact, many of his pupils were women. Um, At the crucifixion, many women followed and learned from Jesus. Mark chapter 15 speaks of this clearly. It says this, verse 40, Mark 15, verse 40. If you've got your Bibles, open them. And uh, if you're taking notes, Mark 15, verse 40 to 41. There were also some women looking on from a distance, among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, (laughs) James the Less, I'd hate to be known as that. Oh, there's Matthew, then there's Matthew the Less. You know, there was James, James the Less, and and Joseph and Salome, where um, when he was in Galilee, they used to follow him and minister to him. And there were many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. 
So it very clearly indicates there that women were ministers to Jesus, and Jesus was a teacher of women. Now, you might today think, well, good, that's a good thing. What you need to understand, what we need to understand is back then, Jesus was a rabbi. He was a teacher uh, uh, like no other. He caused a stir. He was controversial. And the reason for that is that um, uh, most rabbi's students were male. There was, a, there was an emphasis in the culture that only men could be educated. Well, Jesus believed in women. And if you're a woman watching today, Jesus believes in you. And the same spirit that raised him from the dead is alive in you at the same time. And so you are not lesser than a man. All right. And so, um, so uh, this was a radical departure from the, first from the typical first century school or the synagogue education, which was only strictly for boys. Jesus taught in synagogues in Mark chapter 1, verse 21, and in the temple courts in Mark, Mark chapter 12, verse 35. But most of his teaching, in fact, was in the wide open public spaces in the wilderness areas, in the mountains, in the public arena, we're allowing women to be discipled along with men and, I might add, youth. So in Mark chapter 2, verse 13, it says this, and he went out again by the seashore and all the people were coming to him and he was teaching them. You see, of course, Yeshua or Jesus, another name for Jesus, wasn't the only person to have disciples. Anyone who learned from a teacher was a taught one, a lamad, remember, a pupil, a disciple. One disciple asked Jesus to teach them how to pray, for example, like John the baptizer had taught his disciples. So in Luke chapter 11, verse 1 to 4, it says this, and it happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. And then Jesus said this, and this is the model prayer. Some translations have it as a title, as the Lord's Prayer. It's not, in fact, you know, Jesus' pray, prayer. It was a model prayer for us. So pray like this. Don't pray that prayer, but pray like this. And he said this, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us of our sins. We, for we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And you, many of you will already have heard that model prayer before. So Yeshua had disciples, but so did John and any rabbi who was actively teaching. Disciples were students and in the Old Testament, they were called the taught ones, limit, remember. I believe that we have allowed into the life of the church a belief that is incorrect. I believe that uh, in the church, the wide world, uh, the, the, sorry, the, the church overall, we have uh, fallen into this belief that disciples are... Bible college students, <laughs> people who, um, um, who are called to ministry, who are, um, you know, studying to be pastors or um, studying to go off to a missionary in a remote mountain village eating beetles for the rest of their life. Some people think that to be a disciple of Jesus means that you're living in a third world nation and you're living on the smell of an oily rag. 
The real truth is this, is that when we give our hearts to Jesus, we become a disciple of him at that very moment. We become a disciple of him. When we say, Jesus, come into my life, forgive me of my sins, I accept you as Lord and Savior of my life, I give you my heart and I give you my life, we are saying, Lord, I commit to being a disciple and a follower of you. Now, that's important. And that's important for a reason. It's important for a reason because it's just not a ticket to heaven. And this is what each of us needs to understand. There is this moment of salvation, yes. There's this moment of entering into the truth and the reality that Jesus has, you know, we've come to him, we've committed to him, and we are at that moment of encounter with him of where we accept salvation. So when we die, we are, we are graduating into heaven, right? But it's so much more than that. We get to live so much more. We get to be that limit, a taught one. To be simply saved, receiving that ticket to heaven is where we all start. We all start at one place. But there is so much more joy for us to experience. James chapter 1 verse 22 says this. Don't just be hearers of the word. Do what it says to do. Now, hear this. Do what it says to do. Don't just be hearers. Don't just be people that go, oh, very nice message, Pastor Matt, Pastor Rose or Julie. Oh, very, 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 very good. Yep, oh, that's a wonderful message. And go and live unchanged. You see, to be a taught one actually means, to be a taught one actually means that uh, we are disciples and followers and hearers of the word. And when we hear it, we actually go and we do it. We apply it to our life. We apply it in the way that we live, behave, think, and breathe. So it's like a parent with kids. So I, um, I'm going to show you some photos now, which are a little bit of a brag moment, all right? Some of these photos here, um, if we can just bring up the first one, you'll see that the first one is of Josh and I on Tomato Day. Now, Tomato Day uh, is a significant day um, uh, for our family. And uh, uh, as you know, Anna, Anna's heritage is, is Italian, and we value that heritage because it brings such a richness into our lives as well. And so here is Josh, a little bit younger, but here he is stirring all that tomato sauce up. And, and you see, uh, I'm doing it a very poor way, spilling tomato sauce everywhere, trying to fill those bottles. But here, Josh is learning something that's part of his heritage, something that he may want to do or may choose to do at a later stage in his life. Where's the next picture? You'll see that there's everyone involved. There's, there's Vince over in the background. I'm not sure what he's doing. He's on his knees. I'm not sure that he's praying. He's probably doing something else. But, uh, but here is, you know, there's the stirring going on. There's the training. The Bible says, train up the child in the way he or she, that particular child shall go and they shall not depart from it. And so here is this experience that walking alongside, not just giving a book to read, like Josh, hey, go learn about mate, what, what Tomato Day is all about. 
about or what making sauce is all about. Here, come and do it. Get your hands dirty. Stir the pot. You know, experience it. And friends, this is what discipleship is all about. Get in, all boots and all. Get into that place of where you encounter God. Get into that place of where you learn the word, where you experience what it is to not make tomatoes or, well, make tomato sauce, but to experience all that God has for you. What's the next photo? The next photo is bike riding. And I don't know if any of you remember what it was to teach your kids how to ride a bike. And obviously here... Both Shiloh and Joshua are well-versed at riding a bike by this stage. But do you remember, parents, as you were riding, as you were teaching your kid to ride the bike and, you know, training wheels or no training wheels, you're running beside them, you're running and you're going along and you, you've got, the, you know, your hand on their back or you're steadying the bike in some way or you've got those, you know, you know those parent handle things on the back that sort of just helps the bike stay up and you're running beside them and you give them that push. And that push is that like push of faith that just goes, okay, kid, I've taught you all that I can teach you. Now ride. And before you know it, five, 10, 15, maybe if you're lucky, 30 meters later, that bike falls on its side and somebody falls over and you run over and there's the blame game. Dad, why did you do that? Why did you let go? And there is all this that takes place. Well, friends, this is what discipleship is all about. There's this moment where we need that push, where we need that stability, where we need that place of letting go. And God lets us go into that place so we can establish authority, so that we can establish truth within our own hearts and our lives. What's the last thing? The last one, oh look, the strategy of life. Nothing like a good game of chess. And here's uh, Josh um, sporting his tattoos, removable tattoos, just letting you know. Um, uh, uh, tattoos, playing chess. And so here we've got to be those disciples that teach others the strategies of life, to think ahead, to be a strategic thinker, not just live each day as it comes, uh, but to be thinking ahead, planning ahead, planning for what God has in store for us. So why? Why would we want, thanks for those photos, why would we want to be a disciple? Why would I want to do what the Bible tells me to do? Because the truth is this, it's full of some really tough things and things that are uncomfortable in today's world. The truth is this, it's been uncomfortable forever. That is the truth of it. It has been uncomfortable for a very long time to do what the Bible says. But when we do what it says, we become disciples. You don't become a disciple by not, you don't come become a disciple and not do what the Bible says. You're only a disciple if you do what the word says, if you do what Jesus says, right? People who effectively champion the community improve the world. That's what a disciple is. When the community is improved, our lives are enhanced. Communities are safer and more vibrant when there are disciples and followers or limit the taught ones of Jesus Christ. To be a taught one is to be someone who is constantly on a path of exciting discovery of the promises of God. And that's the truth of it. That's the promises that God has for all of us. To choose not to be a disciple is to be someone who sells themselves short of a life of extraordinary freedom that Jesus alone brings. That is why we use 
the freedom in Christ course. That is why we apply that and we assist and equip you in that for equip three, for EQ three. True freedom is only ever found in Jesus. This is why Jesus described the effect of the word on people who, who, who believe. And I want to share this with you. You cannot believe and sustain belief without knowing the word. I'm going to say that again. You cannot believe and sustain that belief without knowing the word. Why? Because, you know, the pressures of this world, the pressures of life, you know, our own struggles, the, our own things that we are forced to deal with each day, you see. That is why we must become disciples of the word. Jesus is described as the living word in John chapter 1. We must know him and know the word. You know the word and you know him, right? Uh, The disciples ask Jesus all the time, how do we know the father? And he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. If you've seen me, you've seen the father every single time. So let's open our Bibles right now to Matthew chapter 13. This is the parable of the sower. Many of you would have heard it again, uh, heard it before, but I'm going to read it to you. And I believe it's going to, uh, um, this is what's, what's actually happened here. I'll backtrack just a little bit. What's actually happened here is that Jesus has described and told and taught the parable of the, of the sower to the crowd. And uh, uh, the, the crowd has received it, right? But the disciples who were the taught ones start to walk with him in it. And they start to say, what is it? What is, what does this mean? What does the parable of the sower mean? What is this all about? And you see, what happens is this. Jesus goes on then to explain. He goes on to explain this. At Matthew chapter 13, verse 18, he says this. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. And let's just stop there for a minute. To be a disciple, to be a follower of Jesus Christ, there's going to be persecution because of the word. (laughs) And that is an uncomfortable thing. That is an uncomfortable thing. And that is unfortunately why a number of people will fall away simply because when they start to live out truth in their life what happens is they feel the pressure of living out that truth there is the push back there is the get back in your box whereas Jesus says hey I'll never leave you never forsake you trust in the word of God It is powerful. The Bible says powerful than any two-edged sword. In other words, more powerful than any weapon man has ever ever developed. Okay? And that is why we can trust in the word. So back to verse 22. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. Are you worried about life? 
maybe, maybe, maybe I can encourage you to focus upon the word. Let the word of God be established in your heart and in your life. And in that way and in that place, you will see the fruit of the word in your life. Okay, so verse 23, but the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. So here's the truth of it. You want to live a fruitful life. You need to be a disciple, a follower of the word, a follower of somebody who trusts in what God is doing a follower of the word who applies the word, understands it, receives it. Let it sink deep down into their life. Let it sink deep down into their heart. And then what happens? And then what happens is that you start to be fruitful. You start to yield more in your life. Amen? So let's become a taught one. So the number one thing I said, we're going to talk about growth. We've already been talking about growth, but the number one thing that I want you to understand is that we are about growth. We are about helping you grow. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 1 says it this way. He says, therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary, elementary principles of Christ. Now, understand this. They are the foundation, the elementary principles principles of Jesus Christ is what we would call EQ1 and EQ2. The elementary, the foundational things that we must understand. They are the foundational things, right? It says this, therefore, leaving the discussion. So don't talk about whether you're saved or not. Believe in your heart that you are. Confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And the Bible says that he is faithful to present you justified before the Father, right? And so here it says this, leave those elementary discussions aside. Let them be settled in your heart and let us go on, wait for it, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. So in other words, what it's saying is, is that we need to attain to perfection in him. Now, I know, you know, it might come as some surprise to you, but I'm not perfect. <laughs> I, I, I am definitely not perfect. You can ask anybody who knows me. I am not perfect. But guess what? Neither are you. But I tell you what, every single time, Jesus makes me perfect. Jesus makes me perfect in those moments when I come to him and I lay aside the foundation of dead works and, and apply my faith in God toward him. So discipleship is this. Discipleship needs to twist in order to grow, needs to turn, switch, I'm sorry, from pulpit-focused discipleship to seasoned discipleship. So pulpit-focused discipleship is simply this. I'm speaking to you right now. I'm speaking to you right now from a pulpit and you're receiving the word, similar to what Jesus might have done, right, in a public arena or, or in a synagogue or in a church, right? And, and so there, there is truth in what I am speaking. And you can either receive it or you can reject it. You can receive it and not do anything about it, which is just the same as rejecting it. Or you can receive it, do something about it, let it be encouragement and apply it to your life and then see the fruitfulness grow, right? So 
But what we need to do now is switch from this kind of relationship and discipleship. Now we need to disciple one another, be encouragers of one another. Because I might be strong in a certain area, uh, I might be weak in a certain area that you're really strong in. And so there is that openness that's, that says, hey, you know, uh, uh, um, let me help you in that. Let me walk alongside you and be an encouragement. Not be somebody who tears people down all the time, but be that person that says, hey, I want to encourage you in the Word. How are you going with spending time in the Word? How are you going in what you are doing uh, in being a disciple, a follower, a taught one of the Word of God? So the truth is this, if you were to spend time reviewing, mining and dissecting and applying what is taught on a Sunday, you would grow. There'd be no definite, there'd be no question. You would definitely, definitely grow. This is why we encourage you to take notes on a Sunday. Revisit the messages via manninghamcc.org or our podcasts or Spotify, anything like that. But don't ever let your learning stop there research great books, pray, and walk with others. So much conversation, good conversation, can be along a walk together with some fresh air and just walking and talking about the things of God. It's amazing what happens. As you grow, so do others. If you don't or won't grow, then you don't heal. That's what actually happens. If you don't heal, you often hurt yourself and you unfortunately end up hurting others. That's the truth of it. I heard this saying during the week that hurt people hurt people. But guess what? The flip side is also more powerful. Healed people heal people. And you see, that is our goal. That is the goal of the parable of the sower. That is our goal as the parable of the sower was, uh, was taught by Jesus that simply said over and over again, hey, the word goes in, the roots go deep, and it will yield a fruitful result. Can I get an amen? amen. I, I, hope, I hope you are with me on this. So Jesus' goal for your life is that you are healed and whole. And Equip 3 will help you on your journey of being that. Growth is a natural progression in a disciple's life, especially when walking with others. Discipleship used to be seen as a solitudinous way of living, like a monastic life, like being a monk where you just go aside and you're on your own and you're having an awesome time just on your own. It's, it's, there are seasons where the Lord might call you to being alone. But the truth is this, is that when you walk with him, you're never alone. And when you walk with him, most often you are, in fact, walking with others also. This is why one of our core values is community. Championing the community. Championing the community both within the church, but also the wider community that we live in. So the purpose of a teacher or a disciple who walks alongside another is to see that person grow, to be able to challenge and cause change. This is, why, this is the way Jesus lived. His disciples were around him constantly, unless Jesus sent them on, a, on an errand or Jesus himself went alone to pray to Father. So discipleship requires this very big word. I said a D word before because it's discipleship and not donuts. It requires an S word. Do you know what it is? 
S word. It requires submission. Discipleship requires submission. And what's the submission all about? You see, submission is all about submitting to one another in love. And that doesn't mean that I am under a person or that you are under them. What it means is, is that you would hear, hear what is said, hear what is expressed and weigh that up with the word. And if it falls in line with the word, with what God says, well, then we submit to that. We submit to that wholly and in a healed way. There's a thought that attempts to influence people at the moment that says, don't judge me. The way I feel is truth to me. My opinion is the most important thing to me. Well, if it is the most important, just keep it to yourself because, you know, you don't want to share it too much, right? Hey, but what if you're wrong? What if, what if the judgment is right? What if um, the way you feel is incorrect? What if you're wrong? then what is the plumb line? What comes back to the absolute truth? Because unfortunately, without absolute truth of the word, then what can you hold yourself up to? What can you attain to? Hebrews said that we leave the elementary things aside and we move towards perfection. How many know that we're not perfect? We're not perfect just yet. But what is happening is God is making us perfect. We're on our pathway of perfection. Amen. So what if, what if, what if you only have a fraction of the right information? What if you only have a fraction of the word? What if there is a superior way of behaving than what you're currently doing? You see, discipleship is not just about how you think or the knowledge that you gather. It is reflected in how you behave. It's in reflected in the way I behave. The true test of our behavior is often when we are either under pressure or receiving an extreme blessing. Do you know of somebody that when, when they're under pressure, they become unbearable to live with? Grumpy, you know, short, rude, you know, all of that, you know, uh, or, or even have you noticed, have you seen somebody go from, go, go into a, a place of extreme blessing that they cannot steward that blessing? It could be a financial blessing. And, you know, unfortunately, the reality of this is this, is that many uh, Lotto winners or uh, people like that have often years later, you know, they're worse off than when they first you know won the money and you see this here is the true test of whether we are fruitful in our life eq3 equip3 is part of the process of discipleship it is helping you understand sound doctrine in other words believing understanding and applying god's truth about you and about those around you the second thing, that's growth. The second thing is sound doctrine. And really, the truth is this. We've, I've been talking about this already. Currently, sound doctrine can only be found in the Word, in the living Word, but in the Word. Because at the moment, the world's view, or should I say the world's views, because there are many of them, 
we can see that uh, the church can be influenced. We can be influenced by the views of those around us. We can be influenced by knowledge that we receive. You see, knowledge has increased more in the last 100 years than in the previous 1,000 years. As a result, the quality of life has gotten better for some people, but gotten worse for others. And yet, in that time of 100 years, we've had two world wars, several other wars around the world, and we find ourselves in a worldwide pandemic. Now, let me remind you, this, none of this is new. None of this is new. Lamentations says it this way, that there is nothing new under the sun that man has not experienced. There is nothing new. So this whole coronavirus, it has not caught God off guard, all right? Is this pandemic part of God's design? Absolutely not. I don't believe that for one second. But he will use these events to help shape and mould us, to shift our hearts, to help us come together and focus on the needs of others whilst helping us learn to lean on each other. Knowledge has increased and yet man's behaviour has not changed. There is constant domination of the strong over the weak. There is a constant lust for power and wealth. And now there is a trend that says, if there are enough people believe something, then it must be true. This defies science. It defies logic. It defies truth. Truth is as clear as gravity. Without the power of propulsion, gravity always wins. And you see, gravity always wins. This is my Bible. It's a good Bible. It is absolutely clear. But gravity without propulsion always wins. See, I can't do anything about that. That Bible has fallen at my feet. I can't make it levitate. I can't make it go by itself unless I am to pick it up and lift the weight myself. That is truth. That is the truth of God's word. If you try to kick against it, then what happens is consequences. And you see... I mentioned submission before. Um, submission, often, we often associate submission to punishment. And I'm going to come back to that in just a minute. But it says this, in terms of worldviews, it says, um, uh, uh, the Bible says in Romans 12, to renew your mind. Renew your mind. If we renew our thinking, then we can truly think like Jesus wants us to think. Proverbs 23 verse 7 says, as a man thinks, as a man thinks, so as we all think, as we spend our mind and our energy thinking about certain things, as a man thinks, then what happens is that we, be, we become convinced of something and it drops into our heart. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. But what if your thinking's wrong? <laughs> What if it's not correct? This is why we need the word. This is, <coughs> excuse me, this is why we need the word of God. Colossians 3.2 says this, set your minds and set your minds and keep them set on what is above the higher things that 
is the word of God. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 13 says, gird up your loins of your mind, rest hope fully upon the grace that Jesus gives. And that's a strange saying, gird up your loins. We don't normally say that. You know, I don't turn around and say to the kids, come on, gird gird up your loins and get out to the car. Uh, What it means is get ready, get ready, gird up, you know, build up. become ready to receive it and that's what every Sunday should be for us that's what every time that a discipleship moment uh, happens we should be ready to receive what God is going to do so truth versus lies we've talked about growth we're talking about sound doctrine and you can't have sound doctrine unless you recognize a truth versus a lie believe the lie you empower the liar you give that liar power to control. Control ends up denying a person of their free will. God gave mankind free will, the ability to choose to obey, and it is not the requirement. If we rely purely upon the media for truth, then we may not have the unbiased truth. Therefore, we must listen to the Lord each and every single day. The Bible describes the devil as a liar, and he's the father of lies. But this is why Jesus came to bring healing, so that we can recognise what is truth and what is not truth. So we can become a powerhouse of humility to those around us. Humility comes through obedience. And this is what I wanted to say before. When we associate obedience with a word, what comes to mind? What comes to your mind? What comes to my mind is, is punishment. That comes to my mind naturally. If I don't obey, then there's a punishment associated with it. See, that's not the way the Lord wants us to think. And this is why a renewed mind is so important. Obedience is not relating to punishment. Obedience is relating to consequence. So the consequence of obedience is that we receive blessing, that we return a fruitful life, that we live in a fruitful way. As opposed to obedience, the lack of obedience, uh, the consequence of not uh, not obeying or obeying the word or obeying God's word or living by God's principles is there is a consequence. And all you need to do is look, turn on the TV and you can see the consequence of not living by God's design and God's truth. That's the consequence of it. I often would hear people say this, is that, you know, how, if God's a good God, then how could he allow this happen to that to happen? Well, the truth is this. He laid out the truth. Man has been given free will. And free will, from man's point of view, has ended up with the consequence of what we see around the world today. Some of it's really beautiful, some of it's really good. But understand, a consequence can either go one of two ways. So, it's a bit like the story of the prodigal son, if you're aware of that. That the father's response was that of the son coming back after spending all of his life savings. The father was always looking for the son to return. And that's the way Father looks at you. 
always looking. The Bible says they were righteous men for seven times. Seven times he's going to get back up again. That's what God's heart is toward you. So, sound doctrine comes from eating meat. And I'm not talking about meat in terms of whether you're vegetarian or not. I'm talking about what it says in Titus chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. And it talks about that people should have a sound doctrine. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 to 3 says, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready, for you are still of the flesh, while there is jealousy and strife among you. Are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? Some, some translations say, aren't you behaving like mere humans? <laughs> I love that saying because we're called to be more than just what the world would view humans as. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12 14. So though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So friends, milk is our foundations things. Milk is our EQ 1 and 2. It's good, it's important, it's necessary to build and instill those foundations in our life. But the meat of the word is where we start to fall on these words like obedience, where we start to fall on the words like truth and identifying what is truth and what isn't. And the third thing, so the first thing was growth. We've talked about growth. We've talked about sound doctrine and the very last thing is this raising up leaders and you might say but pastor Matt, i'm not a leader i'm not a leader of people i can barely lead myself but the truth is this we all influence somebody in some way and to be an influencer of others is what it is to be a leader we can all walk alongside somebody else we can all encourage somebody else and it might be a, just a simple encouragement a card a, a send them a scripture you don't know what that's going to mean to somebody my late father uh, wrote a letter to me and in, to this day it is you know probably the most beautiful passage of writing that I've ever read and that letter was of encouragement into the ministry to hold fast to what God had called me to and you see that there beyond all the encouragement from the most famous people in the world for that encouragement to be on paper to be his words penned by his hand that letter there is more powerful calls me to obedience, calls me to be a better man, better husband, better father in every way, better pastor, to be a better leader. And you see, we can all influence each other in some way. We can all walk alongside somebody and encourage them in the word and encourage them in what God has called them to be. So I want to encourage you. I said there's two things at the very beginning. I said, well, I wanted to talk about Equip 3 and encourage you and invite you to sign up for it. 
you can go to manninghamcc.org and fill out that form right now if you want to. And fill out that form and we aim to start Equip3 early next year. So fill that out now. In the meantime, I want to invite you to become a disciple. Not just a Christian, what the world calls a Christian, but become a disciple and a follower of Jesus Christ. Because there is no other life of freedom than that. I want to ask you right now, if you might want to just bow your head, close your eyes, and you know you can put your pen and your paper and your Bible down for a minute. And you, just, you may have already prayed this prayer, but you may be at this moment right now saying, Lord, I need to follow you more clearly. And the truth is this, we all have a heart. Our heart's response is that every single day, Lord, help me walk with you in a closer way. But you may have never prayed that prayer. I want to invite you right now that you would pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, be Lord of my life. Lord, I have sinned and not lived according to your truth. I want to walk in truth and I give my heart to you now. I confess with my own words that you are my Lord and Saviour. Be Lord of my life from this day forward in Jesus' name. Wow. I want to congratulate you right now. If you've prayed that prayer for the first or the tenth time, I want to congratulate you right now. Because right now, if you've prayed it for the first time, Equip 1 and 2 are ready for you right now. If you're praying that prayer for the tenth time and you go, well, you know, I want to know what's next. There's areas where I need freedom in my life. Then Equip 3 is for you. In the meantime, until we're ready to start that uh, early next year, Equip 3, we, we can give you resources and we can walk alongside you. And, and uh, I pray that others would walk alongside you as well as you learn what it is to be a limit, a taught one, a disciple of Jesus Christ. Hey, I want to thank you so much for watching today. Thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, I can't wait to share this discipleship path with you as we walk together and we encourage each other in our next steps. God bless you. Thanks so much for joining today. And uh, bless you heaps. Um, stay warm even when it's cold. And uh, we look forward to seeing you really, really soon. God bless you. Bye for now.